You know what time it is, time for another train wreck. Welcome to Not Another Baptist Podcast, a weekly podcast about what two knucklehead pastors are learning in the trenches of church revitalization. My name is Matt Hensley. I'm the pastor of Mayhill Baptist and managing editor of Lifeway Pastors. And I'm Kyle Beerman, the pastor of First Baptist Church Alamogordo and director of Replanner Development for the North American Mission Board. And together we bring a combined 31 years of ministry experience to the table. So you could say we're experts. And what not to do. Absolutely. And what not to do. But before we dive in, allow us a moment to tell you that this podcast is brought to you in part by the Christian Standard Bible. So you could say that we are the official podcast of the Word of God. We love the CSB for its blend of readability and accuracy. How was that? Close? Not, no. Not at all? No. no. Accuracy. And encourage you to check out csbible.com after the show. However, Kyle, we have some news in that regard. We do. This episode completes our partnership with the Christian Standard Bible. Wait, you mean we're no longer the official podcast of the Word of God? Like, does that mean we have to switch to the message? Yeah, what would that look like? <laughs> I don't know. Can you call it readable? Could you call it accurate? Hmm. <laughs> Careful. <laughs> well, on that note, no, uh, no. So, I, I, our listeners will just have to wait and see. But that's not what we're here to talk about on this episode. Um, and sure, in fact, I'm certain that no one in the SBC is talking about whether or not we're the official podcast of the Word of God or not. Well, we surely know Stephen Anderson. Yeah, nobody in this room got that. No. But <laughs> All right, let's focus. Got to focus. Uh, because we, we are actually, um, we're going to get serious on, on this episode because we have a, we have a serious topic to, to discuss that, that came out uh, this week in the Houston Chronicle. Yes, sir. And uh, we also forgot to mention that we are live tonight. That's right. This is the first time. Th- th- this is the first time we've recorded a live episode with other people. They're besides, usually besides dead. Just you. <laughs> or wish they were. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. Uh, but we need to introduce our listeners to our guests tonight. All. 20 or 30 of them, the few, the proud, the Mountain Valley Baptist Association. Say, hey, y'all. Hey, y'all. Perfect. That was well done. Way to go. And we've also asked Gary Buckner, the Associational Mission Strategist of the Mountain Valley Baptist Association, to do a little talk tonight for our brothers and sisters about podcasting. And we thought, well, one, like, is that just a fancy name for director of missions? Yeah. Okay. 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 I I just want to make sure we know. I mean, it's a strategist. I mean, that means he deals with it. He's got the strategy or association. That's it. Got it. Focus. Now Uh, I'm telling you to focus. Yeah. Gary, you need to keep us in line. That's what we need tonight. And uh, and so we brought on uh, Gary because we need a little help with this. Uh, I am young and dumb. Kyle is young and dumber. And uh, so we brought Gary with his wisdom to the show. And, uh, and so he's going to be here to share with us about uh, some of the things that are going on in the convention right now, some of the best practices. But before we do that, Gary, tell us about you, your family, what brought you to Mountain Valley Baptist Association, your history with churches, uh, your social security number, all of that good stuff. Okay. That should be the easy part. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I discovered America in Dallas, Texas. Um, that's where I was uh, born and was raised. 
and uh, I met my wife while I was going to Baylor, and then we went to Southwestern, and then later on uh, did my doctorate at uh, what was then Golden Gate, now Gateway Seminary. Um, had the privilege of pastoring in four different states uh, in, uh, for about 37, 38 years. Um, so that, that has been, I did about four or five years of youth work prior to that. Um, the, the exciting thing to me is that uh, when you're a part of church life, you get to do the key things in life. You get to support people in those times. You get to encourage them and you get to help them when things get broken. And so I think uh, that's exciting, even though it's hard, yeah, very, very difficult at times. Um, we're the parents of uh, now four. We have uh, three grown children and we had adopted uh, a young lady by the name of Maylee uh, in uh, March of last year and she's three. So we, we've been blessed in many different ways and encouraged in many different ways. Um, we've been, we were foster parents for right at 18 years to 43 children. So children are uh, pretty significant to us and in our lives. Yeah. Um, well, as we mentioned, um, one of the reasons we wanted to bring Gary on is to, to glean from some of his wisdom because um, the, the Southern Baptist Convention has been a trending topic on Twitter this week and not for a good reason. Um, as a result of the Houston Chronicle article that was published um, this past Sunday, yesterday, uh, called Abuse of Faith. And, and that was part one. There are two more parts to this article still coming out uh, this week. One will be published uh, tomorrow for us, tonight, Tuesday, and then one a little bit later in the week. And, and what this article did is it, it chronicled 20 years in the Southern Baptist Convention. They've identified over 700 victims of sexual abuse. Um, and for all three of us uh, who, are, um, who spent significant parts of our lives in, in Texas, uh, Gary and I were both born there. Matt got there as soon as he could. Um, <laughs> the, the majority of the cases that they documented came out of Texas. And so I know that hits, you know, I spent half, half of my ministry to this point in Texas. And so that, that obviously hit us uh, pretty, pretty close to home. Um, but tonight, we don't want to dwell so much on, on the specifics of the article um, as much as what we do in response to the article. Um, we can't change what's happened in the past 20 years, but we can help to make sure that the, the, what has happened does not continue to happen in, in our churches. And I mean, we're here tonight in an associational meeting, um, and so we're not going to solve all the SBC problems tonight. Um, but we can start here at the Mountain Valley Baptist Association. We can make sure that, that our churches are safe places and, and our associations are safe places for safe places for children and, and for those who, who would attend. And so Gary, let's start first with best practices. Uh, what do you suggest churches do when it comes to selecting people that are going to serve with uh, children, with youth? Um, what, what's kind of your steps, your best practices for how we choose those that are going to be with the, the most vulnerable among us? I think using the committees that you have and staffing them well is important. It shouldn't be a, a one-man decision. Um, but I, I believe that one of the critical mistakes that churches continually make um, and really don't consider the the depth of the mistake is sort of 
putting the care of children and particularly the youngest of the children uh, to the lowest bidder. Uh, you know, we, we finally got somebody that'll do that, and so we'll put them in there, and we don't sometimes even check. Um, we assume we take somebody's word or whatever else, and background checks are so inexpensive anymore and can be purchased or secured through convention, through Liveway, whatever. You know, I mean, there's several ways of getting them. Um, that is a, a, a fail-safe measure, however, because uh, if somebody has not been charged with a sexual assault or an abuse situation uh, or not on somebody's list, well, then they won't show up, uh, even though they may be a, a habitual person who does that. And I, I think it's more important to understand that for churches because I think these people aren't dumb. I mean, they're doing some dumb things, but they're not dumb. Uh, and they know how churches go for the lowest bidder, can't find somebody, and so they just stick somebody in there. And so they, they can come and try to take advantage of that. Um, I, I, I would almost, with, with the, the situation as um, public and as open and as uh, upfront as it is, I would almost say uh, that a church needs to adopt some sort of a statement that we will not be silent about this issue, either about where we stand or about if an abuse occurs, we're not going to cover it up. We're not going to hide the person. We're going to report it. Um, because, um, you know, to, to one person has a, or one group has a uh, uh, hashtag, silence is not spiritual, and, and it's all about this. Um, I think if a church said even in its securing workers for children, uh, in particular in nursery workers, to say we, we don't suspect you of anything, we're not trying to be uh, draconian or negative or anything like that, but, but uh, if something happens, you, you will not be protected by the church. You will be reported by the church, and then we will stand by you in ministry and care for you. And so, in, in other words, it sounds like the, the last thing we need to do is just find somebody with a pulse. Like there's some steps that need to be in, in place, some background checks, and, and perhaps how many people are with children uh, and, and yes. some of that. Kyle, what did y'all do at Alamo? Yeah. Well, for the record, I think a pulse is a good place to start. But um, <laughs> This is, yeah. <laughs> you do need that. Um, yeah, we, we do. We require background checks for everybody working with um, with children and, and youth, and I believe we, we re-up those every three years. Um, as Gary said, I mean, that's baseline. That There's no excuse for not having a background check. And, and as a matter of fact, last night, as all this was breaking, I found out there are actually some services um, that will give you real-time updates on your background check. So if you have somebody that you've submitted a background check, and that's good for three years, if something comes up um, in their background check, you'll get an email alerting you, hey, there's someone that you ran a background check on, th this has been flagged on them. Um, I, I, I don't know yet what the cost is on those. They said it's not a lot, um, and that would just be one extra step, particularly if you're dealing with a, um, you know, with a large volunteer staff uh, of people. Um, background checks, you know, for us, um, generally speaking, anyone who's gonna work with kids has, we kind of have a guideline that they will have been a part of the church for six months. Um, so, I mean, nobody's going to walk in the door and say, hey, I'm here, I want to volunteer, and I want to volunteer with kids. That, uh, 
that, that's not going to happen. In fact, if, if anybody ever does that in your church, like first Sunday walk in, I want to I be in the nursery. Um, there's a red flag. No. Right there. Yeah, exactly. No. Let's um, talk about it for six Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we, and that's part of it, too, is getting to know them. Um, and then when it comes to staff, uh, simply as simple as checking references, right? I mean, yes. you know, everybody that, and, and we just dealt with this with the church here in the area recently yes. where, where there was something flagged and, and uh, through the association that, that was brought to the church's attention. Um, and, and through those, you're going to catch things that would not show up on a background check, yes. right? Um, yes. But that's, that's one other, just do your research on people, you know, get, get to know them, do background checks. And there, there's no way, I think this is important, there's no way to safeguard against everything that could happen. But there are certainly precautionary steps we could take to weed out um, a, a lot of things. How about, how about Mayhill? And we, we follow all that's been mentioned to this point. Uh, background checks, no one's alone uh, with yes. children, policies and procedures in place to uh, keep our youth and our children safe. Some of those, including that six-month deal. Uh, you know, like you said, a red flag pops up immediately when they pop in. You know, maybe haven't even joined. Like, hey, I'd love to serve in the, you know, the kids area. And, and right now is a really good time for everybody to go back and review your policies. Yes. You, you may have the most solid background check policies that have ever been written by any church in the history of the Southern Baptist Convention. You still need to go back and review them right now, but because obviously this is something that's been going on for a long time. And like Gary said, um, these people are making dumb decisions, but they are not dumb. They, they, they're smart. They know how to get around systems. Gary, in light of that, unfortunately, we have to ask this question. Uh, let's say the unthinkable does happen. Somebody does abuse a child or a youth in your church. Walk us through what your first steps are. Oh, Kyle and I were talking about this beforehand. Uh, if somebody comes in, uh, which I've had happen, and, and are reporting incest, abuse, whatever, wherever you are, you call 911. If it's in your office, whatever. Um, because they're the authorities to take care of what's right, what's wrong, who's at fault and who isn't. Um, and we are in, in the business of, of the truth in ministry. Um, I think, you know, to keep reverting back to policies and to remind each other on staff, you know, you're not in a room alone with the opposite sex. Uh, really, a, a, an open door policy is, is probably a better situation <laughs> in a counseling situation um, to even to invest in, in uh, monitoring cameras, which, which aren't very expensive anymore. In, in the children's area and youth area would not be a bad idea, uh, but but to report it, then be there to minister and to say, you know, we're not we're not casting you in the corner saying you're terrible. We don't want to have anything to do with you, but you made a mistake. It's a serious mistake, and you've got to work through yeah. correcting it. Yeah. In, in other words, when an accusation is brought, that's not the time to begin questioning the validity of the accusation. Uh, and it's, I, I like what, uh, what Al Mohler, president at, at Southern Seminary said, who's I think one of the most important voices, not just in the Southern Baptist Convention, but in, in all of evangelicalism right now. And, and, and he said, you know, for pastors, for staff, for kids workers, the, the decision, the time to make that decision is right now. That, that before we leave that room, if something's 
if, if an accusation of, of some sort of abuse is brought to our attention, before we leave that room, we'll have called 911. Alert the authorities and let them do the investigation. Let them sort it out because the danger on our church's end of not reporting that, the, the liability is huge. And um, as again, the church. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and now the Southern Baptist Convention, too. So, I mean, this, this is not the time to say, well, you know, I, I, you know, she's kind of made some of these accusations before. I don't know that we really want to believe. It's not the time to do that. We call 911, let, let them investigate, and, and we take precautionary steps. Um, and the only time, I, I was sharing with Gary, the only time I ever dealt with this was at a children's camp. Um, one of the young girls confessed or, or brought to our attention that she was being abused by an older family member. And I mean, our, our first step, we alerted the camp, the camp uh, management and we alerted the authorities. And the parents came in and started, well, I don't know, this, you know, I don't know she's to be believed. She kind of makes these things up. And um, turns out everything she said was true as, as it came out in the, in the uh, investigation. And so, uh, you know, had we not done that, there could have been far reaching consequences um, for, for the camp, for our church, for everyone. So, yeah, man, make the call. Well, that, I think there's an issue of the depth of this violation um, because what, what I've observed with children who've had the abuse, whatever it was, physical, uh, sexual, abandonment, whatever it is, particularly sexual abuse, uh, I think it's, it's kind of like a threefold cord that has a cord straight to the heart, straight to the mind. Yeah straight to the spirit and, and the bible says a three court threefold core is not easily broken but it is broken yeah. when it, it hasn't been formed fully and when sexual abuse occurs because it just it's all frayed and it takes a long time to put it back together i, I have a number of extended family members who've come back later and reported abuse as a child abuse as, you know when they were a teenager yeah. all these why let that brokenness be a part of someone's life for all those years? I'm not going to make an old joke at this point. <laughs> Good. But you've been in the SBC for quite a long time. Uh, you've been to a number of annual meetings. You went through the conservative resurgence. You've pastored churches. You're now a... Uh, um, Associational mission strategist. That. Dumb old missionary. Yeah, dumb old missionary. Uh, you, you've been involved in all of this, so we're going to put you on the spot for, for this one. What can the SBC do as a whole, collectively, to make articles like this one that we have in the Houston uh, Chronicles, perhaps, a, a thing of the past? Some suggest a convention-wide uh, database. Uh, others suggest um, disfellowshipping. Uh, churches that harbor a known uh, pedophile. Uh, what what do you think is the best approach for the SBC as a whole? I think continuing to communicate, to talk about it, that it's not acceptable, that it doesn't really have a place in our family life. Um, and I mean communication at the associational level, churches sharing, uh, calling for help when they need it, asking for prayer about a difficult situation whatever it is but i don't i don't think a resolution at the sbc annual uh, convention is going to mount the hill of beans honestly because that doesn't put tread on the road of, of addressing it and, and changing anything 
but if if there's communication between churches uh, when, when churches commit not to just pass a troubled staff member along by not saying anything but communicating there is a problem here you need to ask him about it or her about it you need to address it we're not going to cover it up so I think that, that to me is at the heart of it. It's not the total solution. A database, I'm not sure because in a sense we have a database with the abuse reporting network and, and uh, you know, checking background checks. That, that's not, again, fail-safe. Yeah. And, I mean, this is obvious. This is probably the heaviest topic that we've, we've covered on the podcast. It's, we like to keep these light, and this is just not a light topic. Um, but... But the key is that we move past talking and that we put some things into, act, into action. And one of the reasons I think it's important for us to talk about this, even as an association, is this is not just a pastor decision. That this is going to require lay people. I mean, I, we, have, we have some folks from our church here. And, and so I'm, what I'm saying is, is hold your leadership accountable in this area to, to reevaluate your policies. Um, and, and then to follow the policies that you have. Yeah. Right, because it's one thing to have stuff on paper, but it doesn't do us any good if we if we don't follow the policies we have. So, so to have solid policies and to follow them, um, and and review those right regularly, make yes. sure that we're we're not yes. letting things fall through the cracks. And so that's certainly the last twenty four hours. That's something that's been brought to my attention as well. And I think the safe place idea that the church would literally commit to being a safe place. Yeah. Safe place that somebody can report yeah. something, as well as a safe place that they can keep from having to report yeah. something. Right. Yeah. Totally agree. And as we prepare to close, allow me to recommend a book to y'all. It's called On Guard Preventing and Responding to Child Abuse at Church, which was written by Deepak Reju. Kyle? Well, with that, it's time to hop off the train. Uh, we're grateful that you took the time to listen in today. And if you haven't, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or wherever podcasts are found. You can also visit us online at www.notanotherbaptistpodcast.com or on Facebook under Not Another Baptist Podcast or on Twitter at NAB underscore podcast. Matt, that's a lot of words. That it is a lot of words that I normally have to do that you part. Do. But until next time, may your coffee be as black as night and as bold as the gospel you declare. Brothers and sisters of the SBC, let's do something. More than just passing resolutions, let's put a plan into place and just do it so that our churches can be a safe place where the gospel is proclaimed, lives are changed, and the vulnerable are protected. Thanks for listening in. Have a great day.